Hear this word with me in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 through verse 12. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, that's you and me, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, say dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Mm. I'm talking today about the game of life. I pray the Holy Ghost moves on your spirit as you hear the message. You may be seated. The Word says that all the works therein, all the works therein shall be burnt up. All of them. You mean the 811-foot Salesforce Indy skyscraper? Yep, that one, sure enough. And that log cabin that you have out there by the lake, that'll be burnt up? Sure enough. And that pontoon boat you just got, will that be burnt up? Yes, sir. And that 68 Dodge Charger you've been working on and trying to renovate for years, will that be burnt up too? Everything, it'll all be burnt up. All the works will be dissolved. The elements will melt with a fervent heat. That's the day of the Lord. The day when he comes back and says, time's over. And it's all up. Everything will be dissolved. I memorized this verse in my senior year of high school just a few years ago. It seems like that to me. We were working on the Pentecostal doctrine. I think there were 1,200 and so verses we memorized for that year. And this passage was one of them. Just was fresh in my mind that day, saying it over and over again, repeating it, writing it down sometimes, whatever would work to make it stick so I could quote it on demand. For some reason, my father and I visited my Uncle Gary, his brother-in-law, in St. Charles, Missouri. We were in the house, and Uncle Gary owned a small house. Um, he worked at McDonnell Douglas Airport, building airplanes. Every extra dollar he had, though, went into golf. Everything. Trips to Scotland to play there, making hickory golf clubs, buying special golf ball mementos and things from all over the world, everything. We walked down to the basement. He showed us, looked to me like a shrine to golf. It was incredible. He had little presentation um, plaques and little things with golf balls positioned on them and placards written out what major tournament they came from. Some signed by 
professional golfers and all it was there. And all I could think about looking at this massive amount of golf balls just surrounding me, all the walls were full of golf balls. I was thinking about what will Uncle Gary say when all these things shall be dissolved? When every golf ball melts, what will he think? And I was about to say it. I think somebody stopped me. Probably wouldn't have been appropriate. I was about to say, all these will be dissolved. Every golf ball is going to melt. It was a shock to me. I was thinking, I don't know, I just related that verse with every one of those precious, important things that he got and worked hard for. And he didn't build a big house. No, instead he worked hard on golf. It was, it was his life. I called my dad just recently and said, Deb, whatever happened to all that? Because Uncle Gary passed away. His wife passed away. He said, oh, his son now has them in some area, I guess, storage downstairs. And who knows what happened to them? I suppose he'll just... He'll leave them there forever, and then Dad will probably get them. And if Dad gets them, then it means I'll probably get them. And what will I do with them? I don't know. All these things shall be dissolved. It's amazing when you get heaven's perspective. Now, what I'm doing today, I'm working very hard with all my heart and mind and soul to tear down the false facade, the false front of this world, just like architectural buildings in the, in the Midwest and the Western towns used to have false facades, those false fronts, to show a building to be two or three stories high when it really wasn't. So has the world done that to you and I. We have put great value on things that are worthless. And we think of things as cheap and, and ordinary that in God's eyes are very important, very high. The game of life is something I played as a kid. Maybe some of you did too. It was a board game. It was a game that simulates a person's travels through life, college to retirement, jobs, marriage, acquiring children. Yes, you acquired children in the board game. Well, that's how you just got them. You, you, wrote, you spun the little dial that goes between one and ten. You got a card, and you got two kids. It was incredible. And they got little pegs. You put them in your car. Anybody remember this besides me? Anybody played? Yes, the game, you played that. And you put maybe a little pink uh, peg there for the girl, a little blue peg for the boy. And you've got kids now. It's an amazing theme. The bank gave you these dollars. Here's the dollars you had. A $5,000 note, a $10,000 bill, $20,000, and a $100,000 bill. You had got automobile, life, fire, homeowner's insurance policies, I don't even know as a kid even what those things were or why they were. But we had them. You even got a $20,000 promissory note and stock certificates. Who knew? You were so wealthy. You had so much. And you had to play according to the rules. The winner is the one who gets to the end. We're collecting the most stuff along the way. That's the board game, the game of life. And you played it, enjoyed it, and it was wonderful. Then you became an adult and found out that there was a whole nother game, a game of life you play. Yeah, some of you are thinking, oh yeah, I found it. It don't work the same way. There's work, there's family, there's no $5,000 bills that you can just take with you and just pay off stuff. How many of you would like to have one of those today? I'll give you $5,000 bill. Of course you would. There's trouble, there's pain, there's time. It's a struggle between what matters and what's valuable and what isn't. We have people spending millions of dollars a year, contractors, architects, painters, devising movie set 
buildings, movie set arenas, movie set worlds that don't even exist. Making you believe that those are real when they are not real. They're fake. They're hollow. They're pretend. We struggle between real and fake. What is real, Lord, and what is fake? What is in your world the game of life and what's ours? Mm. God has a kingdom, a different set of rules for the game of life. It's truly upside down from our game. The actual rules, the values, the points, what it really means to win in his kingdom can be diametrically opposite to what we think. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus turns the world upside down for us. Today, if someone says, I went to church and someone was healed, they'll be excited and tell you all about the healing. Oh, what a wonderful thing God did. What an amazing thing. But if they say, I think someone repented today, the excitement level is much lower. You might not even tell about it. If someone gets baptized at the end of the service, some of you might be busy and have to leave. A few of you might turn around to look. If someone gets a Holy Ghost, you say, oh, God bless them. That's awesome. Thank God. We, we put healing in the way we act very high. We put salvation kind of normal. But Jesus said, why are you raising your hearts? Which is easier to say that your sins have been forgiven you or get up and walk. But that you know that I have authority in this earth, I'm going to say to the man, make your bed, get up and walk. Jesus put salvation very high. And healing was just one of the things he did. We get that so out of line, don't we? We're, we're so backwards that the Lord said it like this. He said, if you are going through this life and you are struggling with your hand. Now, I love my hand. I, I'm thankful for my hand. I seldom say, Lord, I thank you for my hand. But I'm glad for it. I want to keep it. I love my right hand. I want to keep this one as long as God has you on the earth. But he said, if your right hand will keep you, this is metaphoric, from making it to heaven, it'd be better for you to cut this hand off. Oh, how gruesome that would be. It'd be better for you to go through life without this hand and make it than to go through the life with both hands and be lost. He said, if this eyeball is the one going to keep you from heaven, it'd be better for you to gouge out this eye. Lord, I don't want to lose it. It'd be better for you to gouge out this eyeball. And he's not talking about eyeballs or hands. He's talking about things in life that own us, that keep us from him. Yet he said, it'd be better for you to have a miss an eye socket without an eyeball and to be saved than to have perfect vision and be lost. Wow. Because what's important to us is not necessarily important to him. And what he thinks is very important, we think is ho-hum. He puts salvation way higher than healing because every sick person will get sick again if they get healed. Every resurrected person dies again. Did you realize that? Everyone. That doesn't mean the Lord doesn't heal. I'm thankful for that. He has power to heal. But he doesn't heal because we think he should heal. He heals to show his glory. He heals to show his power. He heals to further his kingdom. If we're all healed and we're all lost, what is the benefit? Come on, somebody. I am pulling down right now every false front that the enemy puts in your life. Jesus valued what was left over after you give, and the disciples what valued what was given. They said, these people have given a lot. They've given 
Lots of money, Lord. And, she, and Jesus said, no, the little lady with the two mites, she gave more than they did. The disciples could have said, Lord, I think we have a math problem here. Two is a lot less than hundreds. This is simple. This is the starter math problem. Two little pieces that are less than a penny is less than hundreds of dollars. No, Lord said, what's more important is what's left over after you've given. That's what I value. She gave all that she had. They gave out of their plenty. God has a different system than you, do, you and I do. The Bible says it like this. We, for all these of their abundance, cast into the offerings of God, but she of her penury cast in all the living she had. Today, what are you giving to the Lord? Out of your abundance, just a little bit? Or are you giving all to the Lord? He's the one that will judge in that day. We must reframe life, reorder priorities, and get a heavenly perspective. No man has ever gone out to a gravel road, grabbed up a rock, put it in his pocket, then knelt before his girl and said, I want to give you this as a sign of my undying affliction. She may show him some affliction. Because a piece of gravel is worthless. We walk on gravel. We drive on gravel. We don't like gravel. Gravel is just a step up from dirt. Isn't that the truth? Come on, people. You, you are happy when we, they blacktop a gravel road. You're unhappy driving down a gravel road. It's the stuff we walk on. But think about this. When we get there, the purest gold will be the stuff we walk on. That will be the, the streets in heaven. It's like the Lord said, I'm going to take the gold standard that you think is so important, so high, so worthy, so valuable. I'm going to make that the stuff you walk on. I'll make it gravel in heaven. God needs to help us today to get our minds turned around to what really is the game of life. Come on, somebody. I believe the Holy Ghost is calling you and me out of this world, out of the world's ways, out of the world's perspective. Oh, Jesus. Now rush ahead with me in time to that day, that last day, the day when the church will be judged, not the day when sinners will be judged, but there'll be a judgment for you. There'll be a judgment of what you've done, your works. Come with me to inspection day, the day of reckoning, the day of testing. Second Corinthians says in verse, chapter 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. This is a better, even a more full illustration of that time that you are going to face. And remember this. You'll be there with the Lord by yourself. Nobody else. No husband and wife. No, no children. No friend. No pastor. No minister. You'll be there with the Lord. Just you and your work. You can't, won't be able to take credit for, well, I worked with someone else, Lord, and that we were together and we did this. Or I was a part of a church that the church did good things and I was a part of them. You won't be able to stand with Sister Angie and say, well, I was a part of the, the food program. I'm just going to go off on hers. Or, or, or with the worshiper and say, I was, Lord, we had a worshipful church and I, was, I stood next to them. They were the worshipers. No, you'll be on your own, your own work. 
Listen to this. According to the grace of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, which is given unto me, Paul says, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. That foundation he's talking about is when they were saved. That's Jesus Christ. That's recognizing the, good, the gospel. But let every man take heed. That's you. That's me. How he builds on that foundation. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So that, that foundation is already set. That's the beginning point. Now, if any man build on this foundation, here's all the building materials that he uses in his illustration. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest. That means to be revealed, to be shown clearly, to be uncovered. Right now, it's not clear. We don't see it. I can't see my work and you can't see yours. I can't see what's being done, what's not being done. But in that day, the covers come off. And that day it's revealed, it's manifest, it's open. There's no more hiding. Every, work, every man's work will be manifest. For the day will declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire. This is a fire inspection. The fire will try every man's work, what sort it is. The word doesn't say how much it is. Although that's important, it's not quantity of hay and stubble. That's still going to be hay and stubble. It's what sort or what kind of work it is. If your work abides after the fire, the work you built thereon, you'll get a reward. If your work is burnt up, you'll suffer lost. You'll still be saved because this is not about sin. This is about the things you produce. This is about anything you accomplish by hand, by art, by industry, by mind, by deed, by act. That's what work is. You can lose that and still be saved. Or one, one um, Bible translation says, the fire will show if a person's work has any value. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. You must take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually, there's going to be an inspection. If you use cheap or inferior materials, you'll be found out. This is the judgment for us. This is the judgment for our work. This is the stuff you are doing today. What you're producing with your deeds, your actions, your thoughts, you will be judged. It will be there in front of you. You will see it. And all of a sudden, his game of life will take on importance. His game of life of what's valuable will take on importance. You may say, Lord, look at all that I've done, but it might be nothing but wood and straw and hay. Mm. Since all these things are on the verge of being dismantled, don't you see how vital it is to live a holy life? We must be consumed with godliness. That's the way the whole world's going to go. It'll be dissolved. Think of what kind of people you should be. Think of how holy and true to your God, your life should be. Holy living means manner, life, conduct, behavior. Godliness is reverence and respect. I have seen the beginning, and I've seen the ending of toys. I've seen the very beginning of them, birthday parties, Christmas. I've seen them, and I've seen the ending. 
I've been there with a broom and a dustpan and a playroom and sweeping up the corners and coming across what was so fantastic and wonderful. And now is a little bit of a few pieces and they go together and go in the trash. I have seen my sister, God forgive her, give my child an 800-piece Noah's Ark set. That is almost evil. It's right there next to evil. She opens that up, and almost immediately, there's a little piece going under the couch. It's almost done right at you start. I've seen those things end up in yard sales for a quarter. That would, We paid money for that. Now it's a quarter. I've seen them four years later saying, oh, I forgot about that. We'll just throw it in the trash. Now I've become jaded over the years. I've become jaded. Here I am. And I feel bad about it. And ask God to help me. I'm at a birthday party for someone. Maybe my grandchild. Maybe someone else. I see the toy and I think to myself, let's enjoy it. And then I'm going to go throw it away. Because I'm going to throw it away anyway. Eventually. Let's just have a good time. And let this, let's just throw it in the trash. Let's get rid of it right now. That's horrible. I've got grandchildren like afraid to get for me to get near their toys. Because they know... I'm going to throw them away. I will throw it away eventually. I've been down this path enough times. Anybody here can testify. Come on. Anybody thrown away? Sold. Given away. Yes, of course you have. Why? Because you realize what seems to be so worthwhile at the moment is really not worthwhile. I come to this pulpit with a repentant heart. I come to this pulpit in repentance saying, Lord, I... And put value on things that you say are not really valuable. I spent time and energy and heart and mind, soul and passion on sometimes not evil, but just things that don't matter, things that are not important. Yet your things that are important and so valuable, I've, I've deemed to be insignificant. Oh God, I am praying the Holy Ghost to speak to us as a people to get a hold of our minds. Realize there will be a day of inspection. The game of life really will come to an end. You will stand there and say, God, did I spend all my life on that and now it's burnt? What a shock for some of us to realize we've been playing the game of life with the wrong rules. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Uh huh. That's what it's going to be. You're going to be, but it won't be, you'll be a happy surprise. You'll be saying, wait a minute. That's all of my life. Everything's burnt up. I have hopefully one little jewel. Hopefully one little piece of gold there still left on the table after the fire comes through. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. I, I, I feel the dissolved story. I see it. What about this world that matters so much to us? And you know what? What's crazy is the Lord doesn't care how much you own. Some of the richest people in the Bible were His men. What he cares about is what owns you. What owns you, that's what matters. What holds you, what's important to you. I love the story I heard as a kid about a missionary and his wife. They were in the mission field for so many years. And back in those days, they boarded a, a boat to come back to the U.S. On the boat with them was a dignitary, very important man. And they pulled into the harbor after years of giving their life 
in the mission field and just decades and tired and thankful for all God had done, but it was time to retire and come back home. And, and the, as they pulled in and they came close to the harbor, there were banners welcoming the dignitary. There were marching bands playing music. There were people crowded, important folks with all dressed up nice on the dock and next to it, clapping their hands and shouting. And the dignitary and his, all his group around him walked off and all the applause and all the music and all the people and all the signs and all the festivities. And the missionary just grabbed up his beat-up suitcase and some of his things and luggage, and they just they walked off kind of behind them all and kind of got off to the side. They went to a little place or staying in between. And they said, he prayed. He said, Lord, I've got to talk to you. This has bothered me. We've been 30 plus years in Africa. We've given our life for the mission. And, and here we are. We've got to come home because of sickness and trouble and our bodies are getting old. But no one met us at the, at the dock. There was no one shaking our hand. No one applauded us. Not one person told us how great a job we've done. We're here. We've come home. But there's not anybody saying anything about how great we are. And it just hurts my heart, Lord. And the Lord gave him a very simple message. Son, you're not home yet. And when you get home, oh. One day you'll, you'll stand there and say, now I'm home. This is my home. I didn't know it. I've spent, I, I, I don't want to have you say with any part of your heart, Lord, I wish I would have realized, realized that I was spending my life on the wrong things. I was pouring my spirit out to things that don't matter. I was pushing my values and my, everything in my life, my passions, my energy on, on the worthless I want, Lord, to have for you something that matters, that stands forever. Oh, God. I'm working as hard as I can this morning to tear down every lie of the enemy. What he says is real is fake. What the world says is fake is really real. What the world says is not important is really important. You will live forever somewhere. Your soul is eternal. What they say about the earth and the mountains and the seas and the rivers being here after you're gone is wrong. You will last longer than the earth. You will last longer than the earth. It's opposite. Come on, someone. Stand with me right now. I pray the Holy Ghost and a spirit of repentance move on this crowd right now. If you feel the Lord tugging at your heart and you want to pray, come to the altar. I open this altar up for you. Come right now and join me. I am calling on the Lord, the Almighty God right now, inviting Him, Lord Jesus, cleanse my mind, cleanse my heart, renew my perspective. Give me your values. Literally, I am praying, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. I am praying, Lord, do your work in me and through me. Wake me up, Lord. Let there be a wake-up call to the church body. Wake us up of what is worthwhile, what is important. Send a powerful message of waking up, Lord. 
Shake us out of our slumber, God. Do whatever it takes. Let us, Lord, feel what needs to be felt. Let us realize what is real and what's fake, Lord. Jesus, come on, someone. Get a hold of the Holy Ghost. He's moving in this place right now. God is calling your name. This message is divinely ordained of God for this time, for your years. This is a word of God for your life. Yes, receive it right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Don't let it go. Don't let this moment pass you by.